Hello and welcome to the D program. I am here doing this intro with my lovely wife, Shannon. Hello. And um, we, this is um, kind of, um, as as is most of this uh, project, It's this is an experiment. Uh, this is going to be the first episode where we're going to have multiple parts to the same episode we we this ended up going three and a half hours and so completely unintentionally completely unintentionally but uh I would say in a good way yeah it was it was uh not boring by any means it just wasn't that we planned a show to be that long right it just started happening and just kept yeah kept going kept going and we uh appreciate our guest for for being willing to go that long. I think it speaks to his passion. Anyway, uh, this is part one of a three-part series exploring crypto. There is currently a lot of buzz around crypto uh, currencies as it's pop, proper, uh, popper, <laughs> popularly uh, called. Uh, say that five times fast. I know. I can't. I can barely say it one time slow. But... Uh, it, it's been interesting. One of the ways that I know that I'm becoming obsessed with something is that whenever I'm in uh, a normal conversation with somebody, if I start feeling this urge to ask them a specific question. And lately the question has been, are you into crypto? And I can tell a whole lot based off of their answer. Because while I will not say... I am by any means an expert. I'm very interested in crypto, very curious. So I've been seeking out a lot of different resources. And so if I say something, if I ask a person and I say, are you into crypto? And their first thing is say, they say, yeah, I got some doge. I instantly know where they stand with cryptocurrencies. Yeah, they they, um, buy it off of Robinhood. Yeah, they buy it off of Robinhood most of the time. And so it it's kind of fun. Um, whenever I hear that stuff, it's like kind of like, okay, I check. And then I, I interrogate is how I feel like I've been approaching it. It's more of an interrogation than a... Honestly, probably anybody who's listened to this podcast and who has talked to you within the past two months has been interrogated by you about this exact topic what do you mean anybody who listens to this podcast <laughs> well just the people who listen to this podcast probably are friends with you probably. and they've probably been asked by you if they're into cryptocurrency right and and i think everybody especially the people the individuals who know me know that i'm probing whenever i say something like that they know that it's not a, a genuine question it's more of a leading um, statement, <laughs> which is, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just, just kind of communication style. That's just kind of how I roll. It's a, it's a funny thing. So, but anyway, um, like I said, that this is the, this is part one of a three part series. Uh, crypto is comparable in a lot of ways to the internet where if you went to 1988, the year I was born and you were to have heard rumblings of the internet. Uh, a lot of people would be very skeptical. And they a lot of people would say, eh, I don't really see the use case for that. Like, okay, and it's kind of cool. And they called it a fad. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It kind of, I could kind of see how that would be interesting. But 
there weren't the Facebook, the Google, the Wikipedia, the, uh, the different applications built into the internet for people to easily be able to understand and get what the internet is. And that's, in my opinion, currently where the crypto um, market currently is, is it's in this state of misunderstanding and uh, unfamiliarity, you know? And just unexplored. Unexplored is a good way of putting it. Um, crypto, uh, in its simplest explanation, what uh, cryptocurrencies, crypto assets are, is an online decentralized ledger, which um, a ledger is one of the earliest uh, technologies for keeping track of who owes who what. So it was a way of maximizing your time, maximizing your assets. Uh, goes back a long, long way, the ledger does, but this is kind of like a perfected form of ledger. But that that is now a platform, and there are different things that are building upon this platform, such as like Bitcoin is the most obvious example because it was the first um, really prominent form of this. And then there's other, there's newer uh, applications, blockchains in themselves, networks you could say, of Ethereum, Cardano, Doge is an example. You can go check on the baby. Okay, Shane's going to go check on the baby. I'm going to continue with this. And um, it it's a lot of it's interesting and it's a lot of fun to think about because black blockchain, um, these decentralized node based uh, ledgers to to describe them simply, uh, blockchain is a revolutionary technology. Um, it's a it's a technology, but it's also a technological innovation in in so far as it's unrealized. So today's guest is one of the individuals in Amarillo. He's uh, that uh, I have found, you know, I'm sure that there's other individuals who are very into crypto. I just don't know who they are. Uh, Kishore is the first one I came across who seemed very knowledgeable and like kind of geeked out on it. And uh, he is a critical care pulmonologist by trade. He, uh, I can't remember which hospital he works at, but he works in uh, critical care. Oh no, he works for Texas Tech oh, School, yeah, I do right? That. So uh, he hosts crypto meetups here in Amarillo at the Dream Chasers Cafe. So if you're in the Amarillo area, I believe he said he posts them to the Dream Catchers page. I don't know if that's Facebook, but anyway, I'll link some stuff in, in below so that you can uh, find these out. These This is a great resource that he offers for free, uh, and it's basically just him uh, going through his exploring of the crypto space. So I don't exactly know how he has enough time for this. But he does a lot of playing around with cryptocurrencies. Not only crypto uh, currencies like the ones you've heard of, but also ones you haven't heard of. And he, he finds these 
different protocols and he plays with them and he figures out how they work. It's kind of cool. And then he, he explains them to you. So I went to one of these and I came home uh, radicalized in a in a sense. Very I, much so. Yeah, like I I have always been fascinated with the concept of cryptocurrency uh, from a philosophical uh, point of view. I'm not a very technical person when it comes to anything uh, electronic. But philosophically, I was really drawn to this decentralized, uh, nobody has control of it, it's a trustless system. And and then I went to this meetup and I came home uh, four hours later. Yeah, it was midnight and I was in bed and Dexter comes home just raving amped up yeah amped amped up and i mean anybody who's who hangs out with kishore for any period of time i think ends up that way i don't exactly know how he is in the medical field Uh, i imagine in a lot of ways he's this he's very similar and passionate about it and kind of gets you amped up and excited you know he got me excited about crypto and so when he agreed to come on the show i was very excited and happy and I know uh, just from personal conversations I've had with a lot of people, there is a lot of misunderstandings around, you know, even like the term cryptocurrency itself is almost misleading in a sense. Um, explaining it as a crypto asset is that's how the IRS views it as an asset. It's like a property that you own. So uh, there's just a lot of misunderstanding. I think you you get into this world even just a little bit the information's out there there's a ton of people putting out a ton of content this is not necessarily a series designed to explain the the very deep facets well and so i was going to also add to that like you were saying this episode the the series is not going to break down and explain everything on a beginner's level it's more just talking about potential and exploring uh, and exploring what it could be and what it already is and things like that. But I did just want to add that there's a YouTube channel called 99Bitcoins, mm. and that guy just does a very good job of making very simplified videos. So he has one video that's just called, What is Bitcoin? And I think it's a 20, 30-minute video where he just... Breaks it down for a very, very beginner learner. And he just has videos over all the different um, aspects of cryptocurrency and breaks them down. So if somebody really wants to just learn, I would direct them there. Well, and uh, I'll have I'll have several different resources listed in the description below. But one of the other ones that I would uh, advise is Bankless. That's the podcast I've been listening to. If you just go into Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and type in Bankless, there's a ton of info there. Uh, anyway, all that to say, this is not necessarily uh, a, what would you say, encompass, you know, a fully encompassing like... Oh, yeah, there's so much stuff that we did not talk about. Yeah, yeah. There, So there's a lot more to it. This is just really to, hopefully, if you have some questions about crypto this will uh spur you to do your own investigation and do some more research or and like i said maybe try to um attend one of 
Okay, sure. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to add that I think, if nothing else, this can hopefully just show others what the potential of cryptocurrency is. Just that I think Kishore does a good job of just discussing the whole realm of possibilities. I think I think a lot of the conversation around crypto recently, especially recently, has been co-opted by Elon Musk. Elon Musk, (laughs) these uh, Elon Musk and uh, Mark Cuban, and and then even uh, what's his name. Financial Peace University. Oh, Dave Ramsey. Yeah, different people like that who have, who don't actually. I think Elon Musk probably understands what he's talking about, but he's just doing it in a very weird way. But a lot of the conversation has been around like becoming a Doge millionaire, right? It's it's quick money. It's well, yeah, and they they equate it to gambling, right? Like I think Dave Ramsey look at looks at cryptocurrency as gambling. When sure you can do that. But it doesn't, I mean, it's not meant to be that. Right. And and so that's kind of one of the things I wanted to address a little bit with this series. Uh, a couple of the things we cover in this specific part one is um, how this is kind of a Pandora's box of sorts. It's already been opened. It's out. Uh, Bitcoin may fail. Uh, Ethereum may fail. But blockchain technology is here to stay it's like the internet it's it's not going anywhere and it it probably will permeate every aspect of our uh, lives and societies unless we get hit by like an asteroid or a huge solar flare or some sort of apocalyptic event Uh, so one of the things we talk about is how this maybe will erase the need for a bank or a centralized uh, type control mechanism we uh, talk about how this is programmable money it's slightly different than the dollar in that sense it's um, we address the haters a little bit we talk about how it is imaginary in in a very interesting and um, I would say profound way like yeah I think or yeah it's definitely a perspective shift it's a perspective shift. Uh, I at first I thought that if somebody said, "Well, that's just imaginary money," at first I thought that was like a derogatory thing. But now I'm realizing that it's not a flaw; it's actually a feature of a lot of this stuff, and it it actually makes it more sound money. We talk a little bit about how game theory plays into a lot of this stuff, which you know a lot of economics is game theory to begin with, and then uh, the gamification of economics is another topic that we cover. So this, you know, this portion of it was an hour and 11 minutes is what it was. So we cover a lot of stuff. We talk about a lot of stuff. The babies uh, were being turds. Babies, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, you know, we had them trying to sleep in the other room. We were recording in the living room. and Shannon had to get up a couple of times. They weren't sleeping. They were not sleeping. They were turds. So, uh, you know, bear with us a little bit in that. You know, this is a real life podcast, you know, not live, but life, you know. So we're real people and Kishore is a real person and he gave us a lot of his time. So I'm really glad that we can highlight um, some of the stuff that he said and some of the knowledge that he really uh, dropped upon us. So 
the series seeks to demystify a lot of the um, the world of crypto assets and decentralized finance. And so, uh, money is uh, is only valuable so far as it is trustworthy. And blockchain is the perfection of the ledger, which is essentially maximized trust. So, anyway, that's my my intro. Uh, I'm gonna uh, tackle a couple of quick announcements real quick hopefully you can check out our website um, if you're listening to this I'm sure you can easily find our website thedexterprogram.com uh, I have some short stories up I'm going to be posting some more short stories very quickly very soon I've got uh, I think the only one I have up currently is what what was I titled it I'm sorry the liquid courage yeah liquid courage sometimes i get i I, you forgot the title of your own work well i run through so many different titles of one piece like while i'm writing it because like i'll write a line and i'll be like oh that is the title you know and then so i i'm actually really proud of that piece like i really like it i think it's my favorite one you've written really my your favorite one yeah okay that's cool so um i i really tried to tackle a maybe controversial uh, topic in it or uh, abrasive maybe. I don't know. I, 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 f- I feel that story in some ways, more so than I have a lot of my stories. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Anyway, uh, hop over and read that if you will, and let me know if you like it or not. Uh, I... Another thing is to jump over onto our Reddit. We have the Deprogram Reddit page. I, To this date, I don't think anybody has even looked at it, uh, which is fine. Hey, we're new. We're getting there. Well, it will a, happen. And a lot of this is me trying to learn how to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, so. One step at a time. So I hope you join me on this journey, but. A lot of this is personal growth as well. But hop over to the Reddit. We're going to have a crypto. I'm just going to open a crypto sub. So if if you're interested, if this episode gets you uh, riled up or if you enjoy it, hop over there and check out the crypto sub Reddit underneath the, the D program. And uh, I, I'm not sure if it'll be the next episode or the next episode. I don't know if I'm going to throw out part two of this or... We're going to go in straight into Fight Club. But the the next, I have a book club subreddit on there. And our first book that we're reading is Fight Club. And if you haven't read it, I think you need to read it. Like, I think every American who can currently read should read it. Right? Don't you think for cultural relevance? And oh, just, I definitely think so. I think there's I mean, a reason that it's now like a cult classic. I think it's a cult classic right now, but eventually, maybe in like 20 years, 20, 30 years, it'll be taught as a classic. Oh, I I fully agree. So uh, go ahead and read that, and then hop, uh, hopefully one of these episodes we'll do over Fight Club, and I think that's going to be a really fun episode. I've got a great guest lined up for it. He's a super nerd, and uh, we'll have a great conversation. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and announce real quick that this is a kind of a test recording of some new equipment the equipment that i the new uh, or the old new equipment that i had bought that's confusing yeah was sketchy don't you think 
I mean, I, I didn't have well, a whole lot of... I don't know anything about it, but all I know is that after every episode, Dexter would say, well, let's let's see if this worked. Yeah. Like, okay, that's that's not good. Yeah, it was dicey. It, it made me real nervous. But So I really upgraded to like a big boy system now. So we're, we're rocking and rolling in the uh, amateur, the most professional amateur way, if that makes sense. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get this new equipment and hopefully you can tell a difference in the recording uh, really soon. So we're recording this on a Tuesday and is it Sunday we're going on Clemente's Corner? Yes. We're, we're well, doing... you will be. I am a maybe. No, you're in. Like... My parents are watching the kids. Oh, okay, cool. So we Yay. we are going on. I've I've been on the show one time, and it was a long time ago. And it was a lot of fun. I uh, really like Matt. He's a local comedian and uh, podcast host, and he invited us on. So we're going to go on that. So be on the lookout for that. I'll be posting it in our social and stuff. And then uh, the last announcement is the Coben Puckett Invitational Bull Ride Rodeo. I think it's only bulls. Wasn't it only bulls? Just bull riding? I think so. Anyway, this year it is July 10th, 2021. It's at the Amarillo National Bank Center. And this goes to benefit the Press On Foundation. Uh, my buddy Coben Puckett uh, was a badass bull rider. He was up and coming on the circuit. He was doing really well. And he got bucked off one time. And one of these like specimens of a creature that they try to ride turned on him and stomped him real bad. And he got real injured. Uh, really, it's a miracle that he even lived through it. I mean, a miracle of just, I mean kind of unbelievable when you hear his story uh, but he was told that he would be a quadriplegic for the rest of his life and he said um, I don't think I agree with that and so he has been fighting for the past I think 11 years uh, to to regain his mobility and it's an awesome story to watch I'll have a, a link to his Instagram down in my bio if you are ever feeling like your life is hard, jump over and watch his because he would not say that his life is any harder than anybody else's. But every time I watch his Instagram or I go on and, and engage with what he's doing, I'm humbled and made to be thankful for every gift that I have. You know, I think a lot of times we take for granted a lot of stuff and we find ourselves complaining about a lot of things that we shouldn't complain about. And when you see a guy like Coben who has an amazing attitude and who is really busting his butt, I mean, the dude is, it's impressive from when he was injured to now, how much he can do and how active he is. It's really incredible. But this, uh, the Coben Puckin Invitational is one of his main fundraisers for the Press On Foundation, which is his foundation and it doesn't only help him, it also helps several other injured spinal cord injury patients who... And he'll be coming on the show soon as well. Yes, I've uh, reached out. We're going to have him on as a promotional for this invitation, but also just because he's an inspiring individual. So be on the lookout for that. Check the show notes in the bottom and buy your tickets. 
because it's a great cause. And, I mean, right watching Bulls at a rodeo is, you know, Cowboys getting on Bulls is pretty exciting. I mean, it is a, it is quite the event. So, anyway, if you would like to support the podcast, you can give us a like on any social media that you would like. Uh, you could share it anywhere you would like to share it. Uh, you could give a review on iTunes. I've heard that that really helps, you know, with algorithms or whatever. And then, or you could like personally tell somebody like face to face with somebody and say like, Hey, um, there's this podcast called the D program and it's amazing and you should listen to it. That would be a great thing. Uh, you can also hop into Reddit, just literally just posting or, or upvoting something would be amazing. Like that would be a lot of support in itself. If you would like to financially support this podcast, you can go to the Coinbase link down in the description. Start your crypto journey. Follow the link. Deposit 100 real dollars. And I would get $10 a Bitcoin. That would be donated to the show. And you would get $10 a Bitcoin. So really, it would actually cost you nothing. Yeah, so... The listener opens their own account and puts $100 into their own account. That has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. Just to make that clear. And so then you are rewarded with $10 of Bitcoin, and the podcast is record or rewarded with $10 of Bitcoin. So really, I see it as a win-win. After you listen to this episode, at the end of it, you will want to start your own crypto journey, I feel like. Definitely after the series. And $100... Uh, you know, Coinbase, I, it's kind of the intro for it, but it's really great because there's a lot of uh, resources within the app that that help you learn. I think Coinbase is a great place to start. Yeah, it's a great place to start. So hop in there, follow the link, deposit $100, you get some money, we get some money. It's great. So uh, thank you, and I really hope that you enjoy this podcast you have anything else to say shannon before we start this have fun listening all right have fun listening and uh thank you for your time and until next time peace out what gives you the right well i am a ticking time bomb of fury this can't be happening man this isn't happening well what if there is no tomorrow So stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. I'm the best chance you've got. I'm, so, I'm, it's not, I think it's more than just the question of, like, putting money into something. Like, hardcore, like, early adopters of this, like, really weren't doing it to get rich. Yeah. They understood that this was, like, the future. Of everything. It's just amazing because I, without him, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would have heard about it. Right. You but know? Like, it is- the, the better way to describe this is, is um, think about E equals MC squared, right? Like the Einstein's theory of relativity, mm-hmm. and it means energy and mass times the speed of light squared gives you like the, the formula for almost everything like regarding motion and energy and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. All right. Like the average person doesn't know what the darn thing means. They heard E equals MC yeah. squared. They heard of Albert Einstein, but they have no idea. Like, you know, and, and they might sort of get it if they watch it, you know, a fancy movie like Interstellar or something, but they're not mm-hmm. really sort of in it, right? They don't get it. They don't understand how you go from that to nuclear power or how you go from that to... Um, 
you know, understanding the motion of objects in space or black holes or whatever, right? Like oh, most yeah. people don't fully get it. But we <laughs> do know this. After that was cre- discovered, the world changed. And that the world can't go back to a world before that discovery. So this is like that Pandora's box concept. Like once you know it, you can't unknow it. Like yeah. imagine erasing equals MC squared from society. I think the best way to describe the Bitcoin white paper, the initial description of all of this, the best way to describe it would be Pandora's box. Once opened, its impact is so profound, you can't unknow it. Yeah. All forms of money, all forms of transaction, how the internet works, nothing can actually ever work the same again. Once you know this, it's like a, um, it's like the unknowable, it's like the, you can't, it's a secret you can't yeah, unknow. I, I don't know how to I say this, that. but like, that's what it is. And, and, and then I think what it was is that, that level of profoundness was never fully like described when people first started describing this. Cause where did we hear about it? Cause you wouldn't know. Even. But you and me heard about Bitcoin where, like when Mt. Gox got hacked and hackers and, oh, you know, someone accepted it as ransom and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So the news likes to th- mostly post garbage. Even to this day, today, if you were to watch CNBC on why Bitcoin's price dropped, it's just 99% nonsense. <laughs> right. It has no relationship to the nuances of why the price might have dropped or what happened. And it's pure guesstimation, quite frankly. I mean, actually, just frankly, just lazy journalism. And what that's led to, lazy journalists, is you and me are lazy consumers, or lazy understanding of what mm-hmm. really is going on. Do you think, right? it's, do you think it's lazy journalism? Or do you think it's uh, more malicious than that? I don't think so. I, you know, having met many journalists and just many people, lay people or whatever, I think most of us just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, if I was a journalist covering Bitcoin, I'd be in the same boat as these people. <laughs> like, I just didn't yeah. know enough about it to report about it. Does that make sense? Like, you don't yeah. even know what the right questions are. Oh, yeah. Well, that that's one of the things. Right. All right. Let's jump into this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kishore. Yes. Yamalachili. Yalamanchili. Yalamanchili. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've been saying it a little bit wrong, but it's so fun to say. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's how I've been referring to you. Because um, by now, most of the guys that I work with are pretty tired of hearing crypto talk from me. And right. granted, I don't know anything. So, sure. um, but um, I was going to start with. Well, first off, just give like a, a just a brief intro as to who you are. Um. Well, I do uh, pulmonary critical care medicine at Texas Tech, basically a doctor by trade. and But I've been into sort of computing and technology and this and that for forever. So, uh, you know, I can reasonably understand this subject on at least some core level, not so much at the level of an active programmer, for example, mm-hmm. but a pretty f- good understanding of the nuances of, of this. Um, uh, kind of a jack of all trades. So I understand the general principles of business, you know, economics, stocks, whatever, you know, so I kind of understand where this sort of fits in the, to some of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of people that know way more about this than I do, but, um, I got into just talking about it amongst friends just because I felt like it was a fun subject mostly, but also because, um, I think it's an arena that like you can't afford not to be involved in almost in any form of life at this point. Like there, mm-hmm. this won't, this will permeate everything about everything. And therefore it's like your children should be learning about it. It's not something that you, it, it's past us learning about it. Like, so are you, <laughs> like, are you aware yeah. of uh, Russell Brand? Do uh, you yeah. know who he is? Uh-huh. 
do you listen to his podcast at all or uh, engage with? I've any heard of him this? once or twice. Yeah. So I I have been listening to him more and more uh, mm-hmm. lately, and he actually just came out with a YouTube video yesterday as I was checking off the fire truck. Mm-hmm. Um, I I clicked it on to listen to it while I was doing my stuff, and he, it's like Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you know. And he starts, he's like, "What is it?" And it was funny because he the video he was referring to that he said he went to listen to to mm-hmm. like learn about it. He said he got halfway through it and realized it was a video for children. Mm-hmm. He was literally watching a video to teach him about Bitcoin right. uh, that was designed and intended for children. Um, so would you consider yourself um, – this is kind of a two-part question. <laughs> the baby's going crazy in the background. Uh, this is kind of a two-part question. One is do you think it's possible to be an expert in cryptocurrency? And two, do you consider yourself – like what what level do you consider yourself like on the the ladder of uh, I think an expert level in this would be someone that's literally a programmer. They could look at the code of the actual blockchain or whatever cryptocurrency and they can analyze it for flaws and you know uh, pros and cons and get into the tokenomics of the actual uh, uh, of that particular coin and really understand the fundamentals. But really to be an expert at this you have to be an expert on practically everything. Well, see that economics, money. That's what my question. That's kind of it's yeah. like how can just the you know I've I've been engaging with it. I become kind of obsessive. That's how I I get with stuff. I'll you know like I was for a while on the pyramid or the pyramids of Giza. Like I was going down that rabbit hole sure. and just like digging and digging and like learning all this stuff. And that's kind of where I'm at on crypto. But one of the things that's been really interesting is I'll listen to a person for a little while and I'll be like. This is the person that knows, knows it. And then they'll have a conversation with another person and that person will kind of engage them. Like I watched, uh, Mark Cuban went Mm -hmm. on bankless podcast, which is one that I've been really engaged with. And the way Mark Cuban talked about it, he, he came off a lot more like a Jack of all trades as you were describing yourself. Although, Although Mark Cuban has been pretty late to the game. I mean, he uh, he misunderstood this big time early on. Did he? When the rest of us were like, uh, you have no idea what you're talking about. You know, so I think part of the problem is all of us probably tend to say more than we ought to about what we think we know. Mm. It's not as robust as we think. And sometimes we speak before actually... I guess I, now you that I mean? now that you say that I do remember Mark Cuban backpedaling mm-hmm. because it was like he a lot went of have. he went on you know no 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 this is not possible and then it was it it's it swing like seemed like he went from a critic to an enthusiast right almost overnight it's like something clicked with him he he saw it you know right it's this is one of those areas that like you know it. it once you understand it, you know that it absolutely must end up permeating everything. Like every aspect of human society will be affected. And now what, what aspect of it? Um, well, uh, here, here's a good way to kind of put this out there. So if you were a, a, a poor rickshaw driver in India or Africa, right, and mm-hmm. you had access to a cell phone, which many people do now, so you've built this internet, you've built cell phones, and you, everyone has one, and they're relatively cheap. Okay. But what are these people missing? One is they're missing a stable currency so that if they were to save, they're just losing money. Right. Because many of them are highly inflationary currencies in many countries. The second thing they're missing is a bank 
many people don't actually, they're not, they're unbanked. This is true mm -hmm. in Africa, this is true in India, a lot of different, you know, Brazil, you, tons of people are unbanked in the world. And so if you look at it from the perspective of if you never knew anything about money, banks, credit cards, anything that you have today, and you were to start scratch and you were, but you had cell phones and the internet, how would that be different? So what cryptocurrency essentially offers you is the ability to be your own bank and the various uh, smart contract mechanisms of Ethereum and these various um, modalities essentially give you the ability to have all of the functionality that a bank gives you without actually having a bank. So first and foremost, this can basically eliminate the need for a significant portion of financial services on this planet. We're talking about the complete elimination of credit cards, uh, routine banking services like checking and savings and what have you. Um, there's a tremendous amount of the financial industry is going to be disrupted. And quite frankly, in areas that it doesn't even exist, this is going to mm. replace that and banks will never even arrive in those locations. Well, see, and I think that is one of the things that a lot of people underestimate completely. They completely miss that, you know, whenever I'm talking to an American in Amarillo, Texas, who's mm -hmm. lived their entire lives in Amarillo, Texas, their parents lived their entire life in Amarillo, Texas. They forget about the huge portion of the world that right. is that is suffering from the things you're talking about. You know, Argentina, Venezuela. You can probably, I mean, I'm I'm not super well versed on economic world economics, but you could probably go down the list and say all these different places that are destabilized. The analogy I've provided for people that think that you know their fiat currencies are going to remain intact, their banks are going to remain intact, is like, or people that think that cryptocurrency is going to be banned, for example. All of this is mostly nonsense. Why? How many people are sitting around trying to ban payphones right now? You know why no one wants to ban payphones? Because no one uses payphones anymore. Right. So the, the, it, it, there's no regulatory concern because they don't exist anymore because they're relevant. So what's going to happen with these systems is, is they're going to grow at such a pace and with such adoption that everyone from every citizen on this planet to every politician is going to be using these things. Mm. And therefore the new, all of the new ways we interact are going to change and all the new laws and things are going to change accordingly. And that, you know, see, same as, same as what happened with cell phones. Yeah. See, that's one of those things that, you know, I actually have a note down here called the final boss. And the question is like, will government be able to step in to make it illegal? And what I get this all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. anytime I'm talking to somebody about it and I'm telling them like, well, dude, you can, it's, it's amazing. Like you can do all this different stuff. Their first response or one of their many responses that's almost programmed is mm -hmm. there's no way the government will let that go. Yeah. But you know, remember in most parts of the world, the government's you and me. So once, mm -hmm. once we peer think peer? it's, yeah, no, just the people. So eventually the government is just full of people. So right. same, same way they couldn't really do much about cell phone encryption, as an example. If they eliminate cell phone encryption, your cell phone's not secure. If they regulate it or put a back door into it, it's not secure. And there's a good chance that the politicians want it encrypted more than anybody sure. else. Sure, and they want it encrypted, exactly. Yeah. They don't want their bank accounts stolen any more than you and me do. Right. So at the end of the day, it's a Pandora's box. Once cell phone encryption came into play, Regulation became difficult. Yes, criminals can use any form of technology uh, that is formed for any reason, whether it's a gun, whether it's a, you know, you name it, you know. So I, I think that um, 
you know, the regulatory thing I'm not nearly as concerned about because I understand how impactful this is. And mm-hmm. I can give you a good example. So, uh, and this is an example some of the listeners can actually just go and play with. So download the Brave browser, which is one of the internet browsers available. And what the people at Brave have done, B-R-A-V-E, they have provided the ability to earn BAT tokens, B-A-T, basic attention tokens. And you can earn these things by watching advertising that happens to fly by while you're using your browser. It so happens it's one of it's a it's a Chrome-based browser, so it has all the security features of Chrome, but they added even additional security features. So it's both a great browser. Actually, I've been using it for the last couple of months, hmm. and you earn about I don't know at the current price of BAT about five bucks a month, maybe, and depending how much you browse, and you know free tokens that are showing up. And what are you going to regulate? The token is ostensibly worthless. Right? It's only worth something because you put them on exchanges, on Coinbase mm-hmm. and on Binance or whatever, and people buy and sell them, so it creates an arbitrary coin price. It mm-hmm. used to be like a nickel. Now the darn thing is worth a dollar. So, you know, and what happens is, is say, for example, an advertiser on Brave can say, well, you know what? I'd like my Nike ads to show up on your browser, and if peop- the longer people look at my ad, the more tokens they earn. Mm. How, can an, how can you beat that in advertising? Because here, here you are paying essentially the customer that likes your particular product, and they're earning money watching your advertisement. How much is the ad budget of the United, you know, of most companies? You know, five, ten, twenty, thirty percent. Maybe if it comes to like Nike or somebody, right? Huge advertising. So what are they doing? They're basically paying their customer, which makes the customer feel good, to then maybe buy their shoe. And in the future, they'll accept bat tokens, you know, as part of your shoe purchase or whatever. And you know, you see how that mm-hmm, works. Mm-hmm. So that's just one example where advertising is being disrupted by paying the network participant. See, when you go on Facebook and you make a post, right? You're not getting paid for that. Yeah. You're getting the benefit of the network, yes. Maybe. To some extent. I haven't you, gotten you, any likes. Like, yeah. For whatever reason, but I am be- terrible what, at Facebook. What I, I mean to say it. is you're getting benefit, meaning like, let's say you want to see your family pictures. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. You have a repository for your family right, pictures. You right. don't have to pay for it. Right. So you're getting a benefit from oh, the yeah. network effect. Oh, yeah. But you got to concede that Facebook's making most of the money on oh, this. Oh, yeah. Not making The some. ads, you're, you know, you're not getting money to, you're not getting paid to watch those ads. Facebook is making all that money in a centralized location. In fact, if you advertise your podcast on Facebook and you you have ads go out on there, right? I've used this thing. You're paying California at Facebook the ad budget, but that doesn't go to Amarillo. Like it didn't come back to the town, right? right. Like it just it doesn't go to it's television. Gone, yeah. It's just gone out out of the city. And it, so a lot of the ad budgets are actually leaving the city oh, and not dang. coming back. So these are examples of how the network itself has value. The Facebook network, MySpace mm-hmm. network, uh, whatever Napster network you have has its own value. And what cryptocurrency does is it not only values that network, but also provides a way to pay you, the network participant, back for it. Does that See, make sense? Yeah. Um, one of the things, I actually heard this last night. I sit, Like I said, I've been, I've been kind of delving in a little bit too much, probably definitely too much. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that I heard, which in my opinion was revolutionary and it was so simple is uh, pool lotteries, Mm -hmm. uh, no, no loss pool lotteries. So I could put my Ethereum, I could take five Ethereum Mm -hmm. or not five Ethereum 0.0065 Ethereum. And I could put it into this 
pool. Mm -hmm. They take that pool, they use it to produce equity or, you know, Mm -hmm. to grow the pool or whatever. And then they pick at random somebody who's in that pool to pay them for being in that pool. But you can pull your, your Ethereum out of it at any point in time. You just take yourself out of the lottery. Hmm. So it's this really weird thing where it's like, you know, I'm not yeah. losing anything, but I'm gaining the possibility of hitting it big. You know, huh. it's kind of a yeah. weird stuff that you never think about. You know? Yeah. I mean, every, every, and this all goes into game theory. Every mm. video game, every board game, every economic game that's ever been devised can be can be programmed into the newer smart contract based cryptocurrencies just like you're mentioning mm-hmm. and people can earn money mm-hmm. for the same way you earn money in a bank for theoretically earning interest you can provide liquidity in these systems and they'll use your money by you parking it there and they'll pay you transaction fees for example so for example you know how credit card companies charge a business you know two percent or whatever you know, when you swipe your credit card there, mm-hmm. the difference is here in cryptocurrency, the big difference is, is those transactional fees go to either the business or to the customer or partly to the blockchain itself where those fees go off into um, paying interest rates on coins and things. So what gets, what gets eliminated in the middle of all that? MasterCard and Visa, right. which has basically been a leech on our system to some extent anyway. You know, they were interesting when they first came out, and it was great that I could go to India, swipe my MasterCard, and I can use it there. The exchange will happen in the background, and I can buy something at a store there, right? That's awesome Mm -hmm. that they created all that. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. That's then. This is now. Now you can eliminate all of that, and the business gets doesn't get charged two and a half percent or whatever those numbers are It's a little bit like Blockbuster Netflix. Yes. Blockbuster's like... They did something amazing. They mm-hmm. they spread, you know, movies to a huge number of people. Right. But then they just stopped. They didn't they didn't continue with it. They didn't make it interesting or more user friendly or more convenient. Mm-hmm. And so then they were outpaced and then they and couldn't even the same way Blockbuster had stores, right? Where you mm-hmm. went and walked around right. and you got a vi- rented a video or payphones were were, you know, a thing. All of those things disappeared because the technology made it completely unnecessary to have those things at all. And, you know, and the more programmable this money becomes, the less of the levers of traditional finance have to even exist at all. Mm. And, you know, credit cards are just the one thing that I describe a lot of because, like, a lot of people use them, obviously. Right. Um, And you understand the benefits of using a credit card, even, you know, because, you know, you don't have to have cash in your pocket. And, you know, the business doesn't have to deal with all the, you know, cash drawers. If you've mm-hmm. ever worked at a business and you had to kind of mess with all that and then count it and then take it to the bank and deposit it. So but even the business is like, well, whatever, I'll pay the 2.5% fee and whatever. It's just going to save me labor time, right? Mm-hmm. Now you can even save that. So really, you're going to basically take, this is all going to take entire industries by storm, entire um you know, I would look at it this way. Every single industry you can think about will have its own tokens, whether that's, you know, hotels, whether that's, um, I don't know, um, uh, you like, know, your taxi cabs, yeah, things of this nature, even. or 
even more specifically, you could have a cryptocurrency, but the smart contracts vary per industry. So take, for example, right now, I, I have rewards points building up on my chase card, right? You know how they give you 1%, 2% mm-hmm. rewards. Yeah. Why do they do that? They do it to suck you in, right? right it's right. like they want you to stay on their card and they want the, the, you to keep using chase cards so that their network builds, right? So what are they doing? They're getting you, they're sucking you in with that one or 2% and they're charging the business for it anyway. Right. Like, you know, right. and, um, what happens is, is I can take my chase rewards points and I can pay my bill with it, but notice what they did to a lot of the websites. Okay. Now you can use your rewards points to get a 10% off gift card at Olive Garden or whatever, right. you know, or at Apple store. And to me, I'm like, I saw that one time. I was like, Oh, look, it's 10% off Apple store. That makes sense. Cause I buy Apple crap. So now I can take my rewards that I got from this thing. I'm not going to convert it back to cash. I'm going to convert it to another password or, or code, which mm-hmm. is essentially a gift card. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use that gift card and I'm going to uh, scan it because I got to scan the thing to send it to Apple, right? You know, you use your Apple store app and you mm-hmm. park it there. And now I have money I can use to buy my next computer or phone. What did Apple get out of it? Well, they got a customer that's going to, sticky customer that's going to come use it. I got 10% off the darn thing after I already got 2% off my cash back credit card thing. So I feel like I'm getting rich, right? Mm-hmm. So you can see how you get sucked into this. And you can take that and, and multiply it by infinity. And you get the capabilities of what cryptocurrency can do. You can literally have all of that blocked into an Ethereum smart contract. And you eliminate the need for the credit card company, all of that. But you can still have the rewards and whatnot. Okay. It's weird, I know. It's yeah, like- <laughs> no, it's super weird. Uh, yeah. how, about, how about we roll back? Mm-hmm. So I've got a little note saying addressing the haters, okay. you know, kind of the skeptics. So what do you say to somebody? Oh, and we're joined uh, back by <laughs> Shannon was having to be a mama for a little bit. Our children. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, these boys are out of control. <laughs> of they, just, they know when we have something planned. Oh, they yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, we got to ruin this. <laughs> but um, okay. So we're just getting to addressing yeah. the haters. So. Um, what do you say to somebody when they say it's all imaginary? It isn't even real. That's yeah. That's a per, that's one of the most important like leaps that you you end up making. And and so when you're going to find it real is the moment you start participating in it. You'll be like, oh wait a minute, someone is paying me to watch the internet. Like on Theta, someone's paying me to watch videos. Okay, I get it. Like, okay, instead of the advertisers getting paid and YouTube getting paid, now I'm getting paid? I'm, I promise you, the haters melt away within moments when they realize they're actually getting paid to do all the crap they normally do every mm-hmm. day. So that's where the utility tokens come in. And, you know, just imagine, like, uh, I'll give you, uh, here, here, this will silence every hater on this planet once it comes to fruition. And I, and I bring this up because I do medicine, I understand it. I know everyone hates their health insurance. They don't like Medicare. They don't like Medicaid. Everything about all of that is a mess in some way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's all inefficient. You know, you want to get a colonoscopy, someone tells you no, and then you got to get an approval from X. Well, nobody, nobody wants to get a colonoscopy. Well, right, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever it is you want in, in yeah. healthcare, right? You, you, you're going through hoops and approvals, and then you end up, you know, not, not only that, but you paid all this, but now you're paying a deductible and all this nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just mm-hmm. a whole rigmarole of nonsense. 
And as a, as a physician, I, I can tell you, like, the entire industry needs to be d- disrupted. And imagine this. Imagine you have a, the let's call it the health token. And this thing earns you, let's say, a 5% interest while you hold it. Okay, so, you, you know, a year from now, you have 1.5 health tokens because you haven't used them and it earned interest. Okay, you can you get that. You you can buy that. You know, all right. Even if it did nothing else, right? 5% interest sounds acceptable compared to what you get at the bank, right? Now, let's say that you can use that token anywhere in the world that you need healthcare. Not just the United States, but anywhere because it doesn't matter. It's purely fungible. Anyone will take it just like they'll take, you know, you know, just like when you swipe your credit card. Um and let's say, you know, Zimbabwe uses a slightly different token. Well, guess what? At the point of sale, it'll just swap it for the, their token that they want to have. So it's instantaneous. They won't even know. The same way you spend dollars in India now, and it turns to a rupee, and that's that. Like, it just, in the background, it just happens. But here's your health token. You can use it wherever the heck you want, right? And it's earning interest. And then, let's say you don't ever use your healthcare token, right? And you simply have amassed this pool of healthcare tokens. You have a million dollars of healthcare tokens because normally you'd spend 10K a year on it. You made interest all your life on the thing. You know, you're, you're now the owner of your healthcare token. You didn't pay an insurance company who then now takes your money and then puts it in a pool somewhere. By the way, you mentioned lottery pools. That's what insurance yes. is, a lottery pool. Yeah. No different, right? So you can see how they gamed that into a, in a thing. So the latter, the, the insurance company, you know, makes 5% of all the healthcare dollars and they have pretty buildings and, you know, a bunch of employees doing what? Basically nothing. Basically nothing is well, what they're doing. They, they're calling 911. Yeah. We run to the, the blue, not, clo- blue Cross Blue Shield all right. the time. They're not you know? providing the service. They're not providing the, the, they're a financial middleman, right? Like they're not really doing the colonoscopy for you. They're not the doctor. They're not the nurse. And, but they're getting paid nevertheless. So here's the thing. That's going to be disrupted. It's a given. It's just a matter of time. So here's your token, and you never use your tokens. You've amassed a bunch of them. And you're like, you know what? I need to go on vacation. Uh, there's no way I'm using $2 million of healthcare tokens that I've amassed. I've never used them. Um, I'm going to con- convert them easily on any exchange to a taxi cab token because I need to go wherever. Right. So you see how it becomes powerful because you don't if you want different tokenomics to achieve something else, you just switch it. Just like you do when you go to France, you get a different token. Right. You get the franc or whatever it's called there. (laughs) Anyway. So similarly, like you, you here's the thing, though, like let's say you died. What happens now with your health insurance money? It just disappears in the pool and it's just gone. Right. You had to take part of your income for it. You had to right, to pay for it. And it, it just disappeared in nowhere. It's not an investment vehicle, right? It's just there just in case something happens to you. With a healthcare token, the difference would be like, I'd be able to give it to you if you were in need of it, and I didn't need it, right? I could, I could give it to my children. And if it's earning interest, heck, they probably would never have to pay for healthcare ever. And see, imagine the community building aspect of that. Whenever you hear about mm-hmm. Bob, who had a stroke, and now right. he needs ten healthcare tokens. Right. And everybody's like, "Dang, here, here's a, here's sure. my healthcare token." You sure. Know? It's like, exactly. It's a, it's a reinforcing. I and mean, actually, the charitable elements are being incorporated in a lot of these blockchains. Like they're creating projects where you can like, 
you can assign to a charity an address and it literally like it, it and it confirms that that it's real and all this sort of stuff yeah all of that you're right exactly everything you can imagine money could possibly do if it wasn't the way it is now like you could you know imagine computers programmable money and the ability to sort of like specify it for that industry you right know, like cuz cuz like cuz each industry might have a different type of economics right like they might have, some might be better if you earn interest cuz you're more likely to hold it than not right like others might I, have i never imagined that your answer to is money imaginary would be yes and how amazing is that sure right i mean imagine mm-hmm. if the money is actually imaginary and you can set it up to incentivize positive behaviors. Yes. If it's imaginary, then yeah, what could we actually think into existence that is the best possible way of doing things? Right. And it's not so constrained by If you, if you by think of economics, right? Like why do they like raise the interest rates and lower the interest rates? They're trying to get you to save or spend or whatever the heck they're trying to do in the background and some central agency supposedly knows exactly mm-hmm. what's necessary for all mm-hmm. of us. This is not true. Each industry has different economics. And the currency of that industry could actually be tailor-made to behave differently to incentivize certain things. So, for yeah, exactly. For example, like, let's say you wanted to, in the health example, you wanted to incentivize, I don't know, like people getting, you know, yearly mammograms or something. You could make it so that the incentive for doing so, you know, maybe pays you back in tokens or something. Like, in other words, if it's going to cost the system of token pools less to do it this way, then it would well, you become could, that you way. You could even make it to where it like splits a token, right? Mm-hmm. So the clinic that provides the mammogram gets mm-hmm. half the token. Sure. And then the, the woman who is getting the mammogram gets half the token. Yes. So then it incentivizes both, both parties to exactly. work together and to ensure that every single woman is getting a mammogram. And, and some of these uh, systems actually automatically, when a transaction's done, a fee for that transaction's pulled off of it. And that pools somewhere that to be used for things of that nature for rewards and what have you which is sort of what like rewards points and whatnot anyway are right like why do companies have like coupons and why do they have rewards points for like you doing whatever like you know like just imagine you're combining gift cards frequent flyer miles money and all the other crap in between and now you have what is modern cryptocurrency it, it's able to do all of those functions simultaneously it's really quite magical. Yeah, what like once you have participated, you're you basically think to yourself, your imagination runs wild of how every thing you can imagine is going to be run by this. Well, and then <laughs> and then the only limitation is the programming, mm-hmm. which if if the last 30 years has taught us anything, it's that that is not a limitation. It's not. You know, especially with the advent of AI and then also just this new generation of people who have grown up spending their entire lives understanding these systems. And that's and that's a different thing. The AI actually represents a larger, broader danger proposition. That's a, that's a whole nother discussion almost. But that may not actually be as helpful as we think but on the flip side, you, you referring to like the paperclip problem or or well, something like that. Uh, Have you heard that one? Yes. Well, there's all sorts of problems yeah. with AI, but like the the what, what I was going to say is like the the. So if you look at cryptocurrency, all of the ways that people have decided to incentivize others through economics, right? Like all of that can be programmed into money 
no question about it. Like there's, there's all sorts of neat things you can do. Um, and the reason why I think, uh, it's going to be impossible to stop it is if I have a token making 7% interest in that token and it's inflationary, meaning the coin is more is printed to, to print out this interest, it will lower the top price of that coin because it's, it's, you're printing more, right? But it also helps the holder the same way if the federal government did it or anybody else did it. But the difference is it can't be changed arbitrarily. Like it, it once enacted, there is a program deciding this. You and me can't change it on a whim like the government can change on a whim, right? Mm-hmm. So that provides a certain level of certainty for an investor, a business, a person, right? And um, it's almost the difference in like a fixed interest rate versus a variable or something like that in a house. It's certain, you know, you might want a variable if you get a good deal out of that. You might want a fixed if that works out for you. But all of those kind of things are possible in these environments. And the, the, the reason why I think regulators and traditional money won't matter is because like A, all of them are going to be using them. But at the end, like a lot of countries' currencies are just terrible. Like, like it'd be one thing if like the Venezuelan currency was just awesome and the people were just saying like, oh no, we don't want something better. No, like you, you know, they want something better. What they have is crap. And their the latest dictator decides to inflate it at their will to achieve whatever ridiculous program they think they can have. So Venezuela's done it. Argentina, many, many countries have destroyed their currencies, Zimbabwe. And those are some of the places where the interest and the uptake would be the highest if it wasn't for, like you said, governments forcing people not to use them for some reason. But eventually, if you're getting paid for every little thing, browsing the internet and whatnot, the people will find a way. Do you feel like <laughs> do you feel like the regulation is almost built in up front to to some of these systems? Yes, yes. To That's some, part to, of the trustlessness of to, the to system. Trust, yeah, sure. And it th- there's self-regulated valuation. Where the problem I think most people are concerned about is is the 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 potential for crime. Uh, money laundering and all of the other drama that can happen with money, right? Like, so it, you can just like you can incentivize people to do good things, money incentivizes people to do bad things, and our regulatory agencies and our laws were largely designed to help reduce those type of activities. So that's going to be an issue. But here's the thing: it's an issue now. Yeah. Like it's not like the dollar, the number one crime, the the. The, 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 the currency for which the number one crime you know, rate in the world is the dollar. Almost all crime is committed with dollars, mm-hmm. right? Not gold bricks, right? So, like, so it's not We're like not you didn't... are not stopping hit, crime by using dollars. You're not stopping crime by using, yeah, or Bitcoin or whatever. Or by using a federally regulated currency. Sure. Yeah. Which it is kind of interesting. Uh, I've faced that in just the very little bit. I mean, I'm talking. Mm-hmm. I am to even say that I may be like out of the beginner novice stage and mm-hmm. into the like intermediate novice sure. stage, you right, know, but right. still bottom rung <laughs> of the ladder. But one of the things that's interesting is everybody, it, there is this natural resistance, I think, to change. And the way it manifests is by stating the status quo. They're right. like, well, exactly. Well, what right. if, what if this happens? And mm-hmm. I'm like, that is currently happening. Right. Well, well what if, what, what if this happens? It's like, well, that is currently happening. <laughs> you know, too. you can't, you can't argue <laughs> right. against the future right. by saying the present is going to happen. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the best example probably of this to describe like to most people easily is if you have heavily encrypted cell phones, 
you could, I could send something criminal to you and you, you know, no one would be the wiser. Okay. Like, and that's happening now. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if I make it so that cell phones are not encrypted, well, then they're completely useless because you can't do anything important on them at all. Right. There's no privacy. Then you have another set of problems. It'd be like your brain. If like, if you could be policed for everything you thought of, meaning your brain was not a black box that I could, you know, that's hidden from me. Mm-hmm. Right. That, you know, I mean, just look at how the, the, you know, the right not to incriminate yourself, for example, mm-hmm. in the constitution, would, how would that be problematic if now your peripheral brain, which is your phone can simply be opened by anybody even, and you're writing everything you care about in there. It's sort of your peripheral brain already, right? It's sort oh, yeah, of, yeah. To Cy- some extent. It's becoming, cyborgs. It's becoming more so the day by day is like the, every moment we use it says something about who we are, right? Well, and it's interesting too because like as you were saying that, the first thing that popped in my head was 1984 mm-hmm. with Double Think and all of this different stuff. And it's like, you know, that's the society that you really – if you're trying to police everything negative out of society – you end up with a society that is very negative. Exactly. You, yeah. You police all the bad things out, or all the good things out as well. Right. right. The thought police problem, which is what like the 1984, mm-hmm. that all of that is, has been, it's a funny thing is people have been thinking about this stuff, free mm-hmm. will and all the other elements. I mean, since the founders of the constitution, oh. all of these are conversations that Aristotle. Has, have been had yeah. forever. And we are now coming to the pinnacle of those worries. Because now you literally have money that, like Monero, which is completely untraceable. Like, there, you know, besides the fact that I bought it on Coinbase, like I send it somewhere, it's going to the black box as far as anyone's concerned. Yeah. If you send a hundred grand of Monero somewhere, you know, and someone audits you, then you would have to tell them, I suppose, where you sent it. But you don't, you have the right not to incriminate yourself. So they can't really force you to tell you anything. Yeah. Right? Like, they just can't. So, and Coinbase can't figure it out because the wallet, once it's gone, it's just gone. Like, they have no idea, right? Yeah. So, it's, it like, so all of the things that we traditionally look at in traditional law enforcement are going to change. We're simply not going to be able to police people that way anymore without having a totalitarian state. Yeah, which is interesting because it... I don't know, I guess, have you thought about what the police force would have to look like with cryptocurrency? Instead of the dollar, like what would that have to look like? It's or does a, it even it, it, matter? It might, it know? might wind up being a weird, like just you know, anarcho capitalist state. Like it may, it may not be possible. I mean, it, heck, right now, yeah. the <laughs> amount of nonsense on the internet yes. tells you we're basically there already. I mean, yes. like realistically, <laughs> like come on, every form of ridiculous exploitation and anything that people thought was, you know, pretty prude, you know, like you. you like, or whatever, you know, that the, the, yeah. that was risque back 20 years ago is now just like Plastered whatever. everywhere. Yeah, there's yeah. Only, there, there are only a few things on this world that are like truly like, you know, you absolutely should not do and, you know, taboo. And then they'll go after you for that. And even that, I don't know how good of a job they're doing. Right. Like yeah. I, a terrible you know, job, actually. Terrible listen, job. I listened to a podcast about that and it was super unsettling mm-hmm. when they talked about it was specifically over child pornography. Right. Right. And they were talking about how these tech companies Mm -hmm. could shut it down. And then they were talking about the super small budget that the U.S. government is like assigning to these things. And it was like, you know, as I was listening to it the whole time, I was like, either this is a completely false thing and it's uh, sensationalized and it's blowing this out of proportion, 
or this is a huge problem and nobody's talking about it. But you know, the crazy thing is, um, I'm going to give you the really unsettling problem. And that is that really cryptocurrency has led to another phenomenon, which is um, going to really blow your mind. And that is the decentralization of everything. There will not be a way to regulate anything because nothing will have a home. There's no one to go after. For example, um, right now, if I ha run Parler, which you know recently got shut down on uh, as a, a social media uh, company or whatever, yeah. um, they got shut down because they're on centralized servers on Amazon Web Services mm -hmm. or wherever, whoever mm -hmm. shut them down. Um, I might be wrong about that. There might be another company. It might be Microsoft yeah, yeah. Cloud. Pick your cloud service. These companies are on some cloud. So, you know, that puts a centralization to it where if someone wants to shut down, you know, Twitter or whatever, they would simply do so by deplatforming them off of that the web services. And if multiple tech companies said, no, Twitter can't exist, it's too much of a harm for society, they can be a de facto government and shut it down, right? The difference now is that we're going into the world of decentralized compute, Meaning your computer and your computer and all the computers sitting around doing nothing could be paid in cryptocurrency to run compute power, which means that there is no central server to shut down. It, think about it like BitTorrent or Napster or something like that, but with no central agency controlling it all at, at all, meaning the entire thing is decentralized. So this is what's about to happen now is that the major... Right now, you buy cryptocurrency on exchanges like Binance or Coinbase. I'm sure if you've dabbled even a little bit, you've gone to somewhere where fiat money, dollars, go from your bank account into an exchange mm -hmm. and you buy this and that, right? Yeah. But if you haven't played with decentralized exchanges yet, examples of those would be things like um, Uniswap or uh, there, there's like there, there – they're emerging out of thin air, like left and right now. Like they're just exploding logarithmic, you know, just a number of new ex decentralized exchanges where you can go and you can trade your bat tokens for your health token or whatever. Yeah. And you don't even need to go to a central location. So right now that's on a decentralized place where nobody can be audited because who knows where that server is. But even that is being moved to decentralized clouds where it's actually not even possible to shut it down ever. Even if you find the country that the dude that's running Uniswap, when it's on decentralized clouds, it's like there's copies of it running everywhere. And you talk about AI, you, you know, pray to God that goes well, because I'm sure it won't, by the way. Oh, that's yeah, a different yeah. issue. <laughs> but the decentralized compute makes it impossible to shut any of that down, including so AI. good nor bad can be shut down. Yeah, exactly. Nothing can be shut down. And, and so the concept of governance becomes a real factor here. Many cryptocurrency networks like Terra or Cosmos or these big ones that are showing up have internal governance. You've heard of Cardano, ADA. Mm -hmm. A lot of these have internal governance, meaning like if people want something different out of the blockchain, there has to be a vote and you have to stake a certain amount of coins to vote and you literally sort of pay to vote. And the more coins you have, the more of a vote you have and blah, blah, blah. And you essentially can modify the terms of the system a little bit. But on a truly fully decentralized network, once it's emerged, you know, people can provide liquidity on it and all this stuff. And, it, you know, it like, you can't track any of it. Like, it's like becoming untrackable. Imagine the dark web is going to be the web. Just like your phone is a dark phone, meaning no one else can get on it because they don't have the, they can't get past the encryption. But imagine that's the whole internet. Like, so the like concepts of issues of child pornography and whatnot, there will have to be another solution for that problem. It ain't going to be like control of information. And yeah, is that going to potentially 
potentiate some forms of exploitation. Sure. But it may also do the opposite, which means like, for example, if I'm making, for example, 20% interest depositing my US Terra coin on anchor protocol, 20% interest, what motive do I have to commit white collar crime at all? Think about that for a second. Like if you're making yeah. so much money, why if, are these people in these activities in the first place? Yes, if, exactly. You, you take crime and you go, wait a minute, why would a poor person go and steal bread? It's because your stupid currency doesn't earn any yield. It doesn't produce anything. They have no bank and there's no place, even if they worked to get ahead, because they have no way to grow their money or grow their value by holding it, right? Mm -hmm. Like normally if you defer your gratification as a child, you can save, you know, for mm -hmm. college or whatever it is you're going to do, and you're going to be able to do more with it over time than you would right now, right? So it's deferred gratification. If you have that built into the system, right? Like why would I risk my ability to make 20% interest or 10% interest or whatever it is on some pie in the sky criminal enterprise when I can just simply do it really, really easily just parking it? On a smart contract. Like, yeah, that's interesting. I, so, so you eliminate the need to do crime indirectly if you have like certain methodologies. But here, here's another crazy thing. So, like, look at what's happening with artificial intelligence and machine learning. Well, machine. Let's talk about machine learning. Artificial intelligence is a little bit more uh, intense, but machine learning would be like, okay, like now you could have one computer on this planet, let's say IBM Watson, and you could have it replace all the radiologists in the world. Why? Because you can feed that one computer hundreds of millions of x-rays of someone's chest, and you can even feed it the pathology reports of every single one of those. So based on a certain size and density of nodule and like image texture, whatever the heck it looks for, you know how they spy satellites can find your license plate. I'm sure you can find a lung nodule in a tumor, right? So you, you program this computer to see millions and millions of images no human being is going to be able to see a million images, right, in a training period, right? So this one computer can be better than you as a radiologist. But here's the thing. You don't need one of those computers for every radiologist. You only need one of those computers to replace all the radiologists. So here's the problem. What are people going to do? with this type of automation when a lot of the things we take for granted in terms of why we work no longer are necessary. And that's why people have been talking about universal basic income and all this. And depending on which side of the political aisle and monetary philosophy you have, you're going to have a real strong feeling about that one way or the other. Because obviously one person is going to say, well, if you give away money, was there incentive to do anything? On the other hand, if there isn't anything worth doing, right? That they're going to net you any money. What are you going to do to eat exactly? How are we going to share goods and services if it's not clear, right? Like what I'm going to do for a living if computers are doing all this crap for me? Because here's the thing. If we get rid of MasterCard, Visa, banks, okay, we get rid of finance, health insurance, just look around you, just drive around town and go, wait, how many businesses are going to disappear the way Blockbuster did? We just talked about that, right? Like you can, I can, I can go right through the city and name all of them title insurance, the title, Stuart title, I don't know, I'm just making up names here as I think about them out loud. Um, the um, uh, real estate, 
right? Like you all that's already going to web based anyway, right? Like you mm-hmm. go on, oh look, Zillow has such and such. Well, then why why deliver goods to a grocery store at all? Sure, exactly. Why not just with, send them right to your home? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Why not do and see? And this is one of the things that's super interesting. And I wonder if if somehow this conversation is connected to a larger, you know. Uh, means of quantification, you know, suicides have gone through the Mm -hmm. roof, right? Um, depressions through the roof, probably. I mean, any metric, like, uh, did you follow Andrew Yang's run for presidency at all? Do you know who he is? I know he is. He's running for like mayor now. Sure. And that's one of the things I actually, uh, really like resonated with me when he was saying it is he was saying, okay, if we measure the United States, uh, progress or you know uh level of achievement by the stock market and the gdp oh we're doing great Mm -hmm. but like let's switch that over to drug abuse and uh suicides right we're we're not doing quite as well in some regards and and so it's kind of one of those things that it it is interesting like just especially dealing with some of this stuff it's just like is there is there a way because one one of my questions is uh, you know, I, I looked back at some of the turn of the century whenever there was modernization and they actually referred to people as wage slaves, mm-hmm. people that were giving up the family farm, right? Selling out on the family farm and moving to the to town to make better wages. Wages, right. Right. And so- But a they, different life. Right. They mm-hmm. gave up one thing in order to achieve the other. Like sure. now we have people so specialized that they can't grow their own food. Right. They can't do anything for themselves. It's like you you having your own business versus working for somebody, you know, working for a corporation or something. Where or, you're, or like even taking a step further back and growing your own food- to where you can trade that with your neighbors. That almost is your form of currency is mm-hmm. what you actually produce individually. Right. You know, and it, I don't know. It's just a weird thing because I hear that all the time whenever people start talking about machine learning and, and AI and just the possibilities that uh, a revolutionized world leads sure. to people not working. And there's a – do you know who Terrence McKenna is by any chance? Mm-mm. He's He was a, like a, psych, a psychonaut. Um, in the sixties, he ended up dying in 2000. He had some wild ideas. Uh, but one of the things that he said is he was like, isn't that the point? Like, wasn't that the the point? What's the point? Wasn't the point the whole time to not work? So the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness problem, you know, and, and like when you go to like, what are the core values people care about? People have always been wondering wondering about these things and how technology is going to modify those things. It's going to modify them in some fashion. Like, for example, here's a great example. Um, Think about this. And this goes back to the cryptocurrency world a little bit. So when Ultima Online and EverQuest, these are some of the original major multiplayer online video games came out. So the people that played in these things, um, myself included, were pretty hardcore about it. To the extent that, like, you know, people were... So you build up these video game characters and, you know, they have, it's literally a doll. You put, you know, you, you, you have a, you know, <laughs> you have a sword and a shield and you have a, oh, yeah. a armor and all the crap that goes with it. If you've played video games, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, um, and, but the interesting thing is the, the, the items in these games became harder and harder to get. Mm. If they were too easy to get, What's it was game? dumb. There's no game. If they're too hard to get, there's no game. 
if the next expansion of the video game came out and all of your other stuff didn't become obsolete, why would you want all the new crap they have to offer? You right? You see right. the thing? We call yeah. that mudflation or multi-user domain inflation or whatever. And, and basically, you see this in video games a lot. Video game theory like models life a lot, which is why it's so addictive to play, too, mm. by the way. But here's the interesting thing. Here are the weird things that came out of that. So I remember when, um, you know, you're like, you want to rage quit a game because you're like, you've been playing too much of the damn thing and you have like a career and other thing to focus on. So you want to quit. So you go on eBay and back then you just sell your character account. At the <laughs> time I made it like a world record of $5,000 for a, on, on, uh, on a video game character that I sold. And some dude sent me a check and I got 5,000 bucks back yeah. when I was in you know, didn't make any money. So that was a really lot yeah, of money. Nice. But that gives you an idea of like the proof of work, say for example, in Bitcoin, you, you worked for this thing and someone's willing to pay you real world money for fake digital work. Yeah. Right. Like, the, like, it's not like I cured cancer here. Like, right. Like, like it's a video game doll. But someone's willing to pay you and for someone it. willing to pay for it. And that's all an economy takes. And here's the other wild thing. We got wind that, so, so when you, you know, beat stuff up in the game and you go and like find treasure and whatnot, a lot of it's in video game gold. And at the time, you could just simply transfer your video game gold to somebody else in the game. So what people would do is uh, they would go and mine this gold, meaning they'd, they'd kill monsters and they'd look up chests or dig it on mountains or whatever the heck, you, wherever you get gold in the game. Mm -hmm. They'll get that gold and they'll go and either sell it for real world money on eBay. So here's fake gold being sold, right? This is, this is a late 90s, right before Bitcoin and all these things emerged. And these are the people that invented these things. Like they realized that, wait a minute, people are going to pay for they fake gold. They already see value. Yeah, yeah. it's just the work. It, took, it, take of work. it takes work to get it. Now, if the video game is too easy and no one wanted to play this video game, guess what? It doesn't There's matter. no network effect. It doesn't work. If eBay doesn't exist, it doesn't work either. Right? Like you had to have all of this come together. Like the perfect equation. The perfect setup. It's like if it was just Amarillo, we wouldn't have enough people to buy my video game gold. But if you took the whole world and a bunch of crazy South Koreans and whoever that like to play this game and check this out. So they had Chinese prisoners. I kid you not. Chinese prisoners were being given computers to play video <laughs> games. Hilarious. To mine for this gold, so they so the oh, the, the, the awesome. guards at the the prison could, could actually play. To, Probably to, makes the experience much nicer in person. Although <laughs> you gotta imagine, it's not the fun parts of the game. It's literally yeah. the most boring nonsense, <laughs> right, and you're right. literally physically mining. <sighs> wow! Right? How so when crazy. so when Instead Bitcoin mining rocks, emerged, where a computer did this. Now it doesn't seem so weird, does it? Yeah. The difference is, is a Bitcoin miner is a chip that essentially does this for you, and you skip all the video game nonsense. But, yeah, that's really interesting. But the, but actual that. energy and machinery has to go into making this so-called gold. Right? Well, yeah. see, and that's that's one of the, the issues that I think a lot of people run into with this world, with the cryptocurrency world, is... Unless you were a nerd, mm -hmm. you don't see the potential, right? Unless, like, I mean, I can think of specifically a lot, like a lot of guys that I work with mm -hmm. that whenever somebody was like going in and playing like World of Warcraft, or right. I can't think of, they'd be like, oh, nerd, I'm going right. to throw this football and, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a nerd or whatever. And then, but you, it's like, it's a, 
you know, they used to always say uh, TV is going to rot your brain mm-hmm. or, t- or video games are going to rot your brain or whatever. And I think like now, uh, I mean, you're actually a doctor, so this is probably going to sound like nonsense. But, <laughs> you know, with neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. I mean, it shapes your brain. It, it does doesn't your brain. rot your brain. No, in fact, it, it, it's a different sort of brain. And like, like I think of it with my children all the time. Sure. They do not see situations the same way I see situations. Sure, because like got a different brain. Video games are like any games or any play. They teach you something about life. So for example, the pandemic required a lot of organization. What do I do? I'm in critical care in a city with a lot of pandemic problems and I'm one of the people that like, well, I'm in the middle of that. Like that critical care is what we did in pulmonary disease, right? So what did you learn from EverQuest playing it back in the late 90s while I was a resident or student or whatever? Well, you learn how to organize bunches of people you don't know via typing into killing a dragon. Mm. Well, guess what? We got what a do dragon. you think? We got a dragon now, and it's in real life, and you practice for all of that indirectly, and none of that control and command uh, training would you have ever received unless you had gone to the military or something. There was no situation in my regular world where I would have learned that without that simulation. Right. And, and actually one of the guys that, um, I used to, that used to be our like guild leader in that video game, um, was just amazing. I mean, like the guy had tremendous leadership capacity and it came through just even in sentences on a computer. Like we didn't even go on, we weren't mm. even on microphones and, and headphones at the time. It was just typed. And there's just something magical about the guy. It's like an alpha personality mm-hmm. on computer. Mm-hmm. This guy ended up going off to become a lead developer of World of Warcraft, actually, mm. and, and went on. And, and all of the, <laughs> the, the game developers used to watch us play to figure out how we cheated if we, if we were cheating. So like every little exploit of every little section, they'd watch us do it first to see how to, f- to cure all of the bugs in the system. That's well, a couple of things that I think are so, really interesting. So remember we were talking about crime? Yeah. So it's like once you get yes. this going, right, like you can actually then see where the crime's happening and go where, like then you can tweak it. Yeah. So, well, and sense. like, so there's a couple of things that I think were super interesting that you just said. One is referring to games as simulations, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's... Um, a lot of the training I've had at the fire department, it's, it's incorrect, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not, uh, it feels like a waste of time when you're doing it. And that's why the guys hate doing it so right. much. Right. But then you take the same group of guys and you sit them in front of, uh, like I thought this was hilarious specifically. So they were trying to get us to work on our communication on radio so that when we're on a fire scene, we can communicate properly to each other. And it was training and everybody was throwing a fit and it was just a pain in the ass and everybody was like, whatever. Well, then you take that same group of guys, you take them back to the station, you sit, you stick them on an Xbox Mm -hmm. and you let them play Call of Duty. Right. Those dudes are communicating. They're communicating, right? right. They're talking (laughs) over radio. They're all in their own rooms. Right. On a, an Xbox and with they a microphone. A, they develop a system, too. Yes. They their own. System. But their, their own system, system right? right? And so I think that's the scary part is when you start talking, the, these people, these uh, technocrats or these aristocrats or whoever you, whatever you want to refer to them as, they don't want you developing your own system no. within, your own, within your own guys, right? They right. want to be able to make it 
mass producible. They want to make it standard across everybody because that's what they can control. But but you don't get any sort of innovation or any sort of yeah, uh, and that's that's generally a consequence of some centralization. So, for example, professionals. What is a professional? Like a doctor or a fireman or whatever. It means that there are certain things that you don't need to reinvent. Like there's no innovation left in that particular. Like in other words, like fire, we want it to be out. Like, 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 you know, like, I don't know, like there's, there's a sort of common denominator there and that creates the basis for a profession. You know, a doctor, you're not there to murder people. You're there to heal people. So there's some common denominators you create and then that leads to the profession. And then eventually there are certain basics like, okay, human beings need water, right? And then they need energy and, you know, and fire, you know, you need to get rid of the source and blah, blah, blah. The principles become fundamental so that it creates a basis for centralization. And eventually the reason why you just have to centralize that is because like, if you don't, like you figuring out how to fight fires by like just doing it is probably not as quick as if you were to learn it from but here's some principles right here's, like I mean, here's the slight augmentation sure and i hear this all the and, time and innovation's always going to be hurt a little bit by this obviously but see, even you know. even without it being innovation it's like and maybe it's partially the field i'm in but you can't tell these guys something mm-hmm. you can't tell them you'll you'll they'll even say oh i'm more of a i'm more of a a hands-on person, a doer, right? Yeah, I'm sure. a doer, right? Sure. So they try to tr- they try to create training scenarios to where we can do, sure. but the training scenarios are so limited that it's not a real-world scenario. Mm-hmm. So what you end up realizing is that what truly makes you a professional firefighter is that you have fought fire sure. multiple times, right? It's so like all of the training that leads you up into that spot right. is almost, I wouldn't say it's a mute, but a lot of that, a lot of that stuff has to be forgotten before you can become a true professional, right? You have to open up your eyes sure. and stop trying to run their game plan. You got to look at the smoke. You got to say, "Where's the smoke coming from? Am I hearing anything? Sure. I, and what what's going on? You know, it's it's so much. It's what, similar to how you're not going to be much of a doctor with the modern day medical school. There's a lot of book technical information, but you really have to go be a resident to sort of like see all the nuances. The book can't actually provide you enough permutations of real world events. Like if I see a hundred thousand patients, it's hard to replicate that in a book experience in three years or whatever, right? Like it's almost impossible. So that's the, that's both the, the, yeah. And that's using games to kind of get to that, but Mm -hmm. keep, keep this in mind though. The machine learning part of it is going to be scary because well, the hundred thousand patients I see, if a computer follows me around for 100,000 patients and follows another dozen doctors around for 100,000 patients, how many patterns do you think it's going to be able to recognize? Right? It's going to be able to recognize a lot, and that's what's happening. And, and all of this sort of is going to all converge together now in the next few years, next 10 years. I mean, this is going to affect our kids like we can't even imagine. Right. It's going to really come down like a ton of bricks on them, and they don't even get it. Like, they don't get <laughs> Like, they just don't see. They don't even realize. And, you know, like, none of what we're talking about is being taught in schools, as you might imagine. This is what kids would learn if they watch YouTube or something or listen to a podcast well, and it or was something. An, it was another slight <laughs> aside where I was going to say a lot of this cryptocurrency stuff, like, the, uh, the way I'm encouraging people to donate mm-hmm. to the podcast mm-hmm. is by using my code on con- uh, on Coinbase. Okay. And, and Your just, wallet address yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And hey, sure. you know what? You get 10 bucks a 
a Bitcoin. I get 10 bucks of Bitcoin. It okay. benefits us both. But one of the reasons that I didn't feel slimy about doing that mm-hmm. is because... Oh, the referral it, code concept. Yeah, the yeah, referral yeah, code. Yeah. Okay, But um, one of the reasons I didn't feel slimy about doing that is you, the listener, whoever mm-hmm. does this, mm-hmm. you're going to gain financial literacy that is going to benefit you right. without benefiting me, right? Sure. So I actually am incentivized to try to get as many of my friends to do this because right. not because of the ten dollars it's going to get me, which I mean it would be nice, you know. And what you've just demonstrated is one more example of gamification of economics. Exactly, you've yes. created an incentive system that provide like provides the right amount of benefits for both people. For both people, and um, you know, depending on what you're trying to achieve. Well, and I've never made the connection. Uh, Thank you very much for, for doing the connection to the video game. But yeah. it is, it's one of those things where, and I've been feeling this personally, like in just my life with my friends and family and everybody, you know, the feeling when you're in a video game and you're playing, you're on a team with somebody who's leveling up mm-hmm. and you know, you're leveling up and mm-hmm. you know, if we're all leveling up together, right. the, the, enemy that we can conquer is right. is going to be stronger army we're going to be a stronger army right and yeah, so it, th- this you, leveling up concept and is, you know it's really weird that in video games at least it's extraordinarily addictive community activity is extraordinarily active uh, uh uh addictive for human beings to the extent that it's actually video games can be made more interesting than real life because, like, in what real-life scenario is average Joe going to go and fight Dragon or whatever the heck you're doing in that game? Um, you know, so the, the, the circumstances are unusual, the type of people you can connect with quickly who all are aligned with your interest, right, playing the game is quick. So you're not, you know, everyone's there doing something similar. They might not have all the same times as you and all that, mm-hmm. but eventually you find a group that works. And I remember, like, when that was, like, when there was a group I had and they were really elite, like we were the tip of the spear, like in hundreds of thousands of people, we were the top, like literally, like I said, but like the, one of the guys became a lead developer of a video game himself, right? Like yeah. we were the tip of the spear and, and everyone would catch up with our exploits on and, and activities on our webpage that one of the dudes was gracious enough to create. And like every time we do something, it'd be posted there like a blog and people would come like, it was the most read blog in video gaming at the time. It was ridiculous. I mean, like the network <laughs> effect was outlandish. And that's when I first understood these effects, you know, right? and and why I didn't jump on Facebook earlier or crypto earlier, or why I didn't get those things when I understood that, right? right, like, right. You get into your own niche and you sort of get it there, but you don't necessarily expand it to every other niche. Well, and what's interesting, I mean, is you had a role to play in society, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you needed to be a doctor, right? Right. You needed to train other doctors and, and each person has their own role, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be confined to that role. And I think that that's one of the things that, you know, an older generation, um, I I think specifically of my parents, which Mm -hmm. are, uh, in their fifties, uh, Shannon's parents who are in their fifties and sixties and Mm -hmm. they did not understand what gaming was. They didn't understand that that you know they're yelling at us in our room get off that video game get you know right. get, get out and do something real right. when in reality the brain doesn't know any doesn't, difference exactly. between football it, the only thing it knows different is i'm mm-hmm. not getting concussed every time i turn around right, right? right. <laughs> you know so like that's like the brain i think it would really benefit most people i can't remember where i heard it um and it's funny too cuz like you you become a, if you've been in early video games 
Now you're a video game snob, and you're telling your kids your games are stupid. And you don't under. <laughs> there's no way you can understand that. Because you're, you're telling, well, look, um, you know, why do you keep monkeying around in Minecraft? There's so many better games. Or, or why do you play that one when it, like, it's funny how you become a video game snob, too. Like, like in my day, video, you know, yeah. like required a lot more intellectual knowledge and blah, blah, blah. And Dude, you, I now watched, it's just too easy. And <laughs> I watched two little, I watched two little Asian kids. And for, when we were flying back from Hawaii, uh-huh. I watched two little Asian kids. They were sitting like kind of catty corner across, the, and they were on their iPads playing Minecraft the whole time. Uh-huh. And I was the the whole time I was sitting there looking at them, I was like, they're going to be really successful in life because they have this ability to focus in on a single task mm-hmm. and complete it. Like they were working together. You could tell that they were coordinating. Yes. They were they were assigning like you do this, I do this. We do this thing, and at the end, it'll be super cool. It's what group projects try to do. Yes. Try to do right. Yeah. Like no, like I, I agree. Like you know, we, some of us were so obsessive about a game that we wanted to achieve everything in it. Like we we had to finish it and then achieve all the perks in it and all that sort of not. And then, but then you watch some of the, so you watch your kids play, and you're like, hmm. You have so many access to so many of them, but you're not finishing that one. It mm-hmm. seems a little incomplete. Like wait you're not going to be a finisher in life either probably then. Mm. You're not going to be the one that puts away the cart at the grocery store because you don't finish anything. Mm. That so you can almost watch people quickly and you understand their behavior. Like you understand your kids well, better by watching how they play video and, games. And I think I like, think you know, it's not a weird. Serial, it's not a you know um the whole adage which I actually kind of have grown really resentful of but not everybody gets a trophy, right? That's mm-hmm. a true tro- like that's you know not everybody is going to win. And if you look at our society, there's a lot of people who are who are by the wayside, right. right? That maybe had a lot of potential, but didn't learn some of those key lessons like you're talking about, like finishing something, achieving the perks or whatever. It, it is kind of a crazy. It's it's a. You know, we've gotten a little off topic from the uh, <laughs> yeah. cryptocurrency, but I, but I like say, it. I think it's all like, tied together. I've heard Dexter mention the idea of gamification mm-hmm. many times before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know for me, I had not connected that to cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And so that is an interesting link. And I'm not sure it's, if you it's, connected it's, that either. It's all about, yeah, dude, like, dude, what are you trying to incentivize? Well, that's this yeah. is my thing, mm-hmm. man. I, I have always been, it's like, what's the best way to get your kid to do something? You know, it's to incentivize sticker them. charts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Emmett goes crazy Over for stickers. sticker charts, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like it's nothing. It is a little piece of adhesive paper stuck mm-hmm. to it, but he goes crazy over a sticker chart, right? Sure. You incentivize. So that good sticker behavior. is his currency, right? And see, like and when you were when you were <laughs> saying about the healthcare token, mm-hmm. to me, I've I hate healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm in healthcare to a degree, but. We've, the system we've You're been paying really... we've been yeah. paying for health insurance mm-hmm. for i mean i've been paying for it since i was 18 mm-hmm. you know and i've what do you have to show for it well i have a heart, <laughs> Nothing, i right? have like a heart of, <laughs> i yeah. have a heart ablation okay and, well good well you got something a, out of it <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> or <laughs> bad <laughs> yeah it ended up being good i didn't know i even had it until uh-huh. i then they told me like hey you gotta get this thing here whatever but uh-huh. uh i have i've had one thing and that honestly should have been detected by the healthcare system way earlier in my life you know i made it till i was 19 or 20 years 19 20, I guess. Sure. When I got hired on the when I got hired on the fire department mm-hmm. before anybody ever even knew that I had a heart 
you know, I had Wolf Parkinson White syndrome, okay. you know? Yeah. And nobody even knew about it. Yeah, and there's not really a system in place to detect it in everybody unless you literally screen everybody all the time. Well, so that, so see, that's, okay. to be fair. And you then wonder, like, what, what am I paying yeah. for, though, when I go to the doctor, sure. you know? Sure. There's a things that, like, no, that's an example of, of the gamification system here. Like, for example, you're, you have a rare heart arrhythmia, right? So, like, not, well, semi-rare. It's... Doctors know what they are, but it's, it's not it's not in everybody. If I get a hundred people, not not one of them may have this problem, yeah. right? So you would have to screen. So your frustration is, well, why do I have this when I can't even find it detected early? You have to imagine the other side of the coin here is, and that is that you would need to screen the entire population of the planet every what year to detect this, and like you know, you'd have to go and spend time out of your day to get an EKG and this and that and the other thing, right? So it takes. Time on the time the from the participant you mm-hmm. and it takes time for the system who's delivering this to but accomplish this. That right? same system can get a needle in my arm mm-hmm. all the way through middle school. Oh sure, you know I mean like for vaccines, the, sure yeah, for yeah, vaccines. Yeah. And so like that's what I think that's the frustrating thing to me about and not granted. And I don't remember, care. there's I, a lot of other things you could screen for besides just yes. the rhythm disturbance. And, that's no, the problem. See, that, that's what I'm saying is so even even down what do you to like for? imagine a okay and. But what what you brought up with machine learning mm-hmm. really solves some of that problem because the the thing that you were correct about is how will you be able to get a person that is trained mm-hmm. to be able to screen every single individual? Right. But if you have, but here's the thing: if you had the healthcare token, you could pay for whatever the heck you wanted to pay for. Right. If you wanted the fancy package of screening for whatever, and you wanted to pay for it, boom, mm-hmm. right? You're 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 doing it. If you don't think it's sort of worth the time because you decide it's not worth the you know your effort and fine so it, I, I think it it goes back to the issue of who's paying.